Welcome to Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Well, happy pre-Thanksgiving, and happy Thanksgiving if you know we're on the East Coast, so therefore it's only 9 o'clock and the West Coast is following behind. I'm Heather Mahoney, and welcome to Roadmap in Your Life with me. Um, here we talk to women who are redesigning or have actively redesigned or have redesigned their life after the end of a long-term relationship, maybe a career stop, some health challenges, some financial challenges, and last but unfortunately least, is maybe you've lost a loved one and you had to redesign your life to be who you were meant to be and to live that extraordinary life that you have not yet or did not yet give yourself permission to do. I am so fortunate tonight to have the amazing the Internet Price with us, and she's going to talk about how she redesigned her life after her circumstances. Happy pre-Thanksgiving, Antoinette. How are you? I am doing fine. Happy pre-Thanksgiving. Yay! Um, <laughs> it is such a pleasure to be here joining you on um, your radio show. It is such a pleasure to have you here, but my first question do you cook or do you just enjoy Thanksgiving? I generally cook, but this year it's going to be me and my two daughters cooking. So I generally I cook the, the whole meal, but not this this year. It's a shared experience. Oh, wow. Well, good luck with that. How old are the, your you. daughters, I ask? Oh, they they are adults. They are adults. <laughs> okay. They are in- Yes, yes. Oh, that's fine. Oh, well, you know what? Everybody in the kitchen, lots of laughter, lots of good stories. That is the best. Better is when you don't have to cook at all. That is true. That's what I thought it was going to be like. But they surprised me and told me, no, I have to do a couple dishes. So I'm going to go ahead and do those couple dishes. And and it's going to be a great time. Awesome. Well, fabulous. We'll totally enjoy every moment of it and love them while while they let you. Definitely. So, um, you know, our show is about redesigning your life to live that extraordinary life. And, so, and it's just a free-for-all. There are no pre-script questions here or there. Okay. And um, you just tell your stories, and I may interrupt okay. you here and there with a question, but basically, you're the star of the show. Oh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, um, well, I'm going to start in probably the latter part of 2016. And at the latter part of 2016, I was still married, and a lot of things hit the fan. Um, I was in a very emotional, um, abusive marriage, horrible marriage. But as a Christian, 
I was committed to staying in in that marriage. Um, like most people who are Christians, you know, the word says that um, you, you know, you can only separate if there's uh, adultery. And I wasn't aware of any at that at that time. So being emotionally and mentally abused, um, it was just a struggle. Um, so literally I was in the marriage five years too long, but during that time I was praying to God to change the marriage for the better or change him for the better. Um, but then the end of 2016, um, it was clear that it was time for me to leave. Um, December, to be exact, December 6th, um, I went to the doctor. He, My ex-husband, he didn't talk to me often. I mean, we literally lived in the house like um, buddies, friends, not even friends, because to him, I was less than the furniture, and but I still prayed, prayed often. I went to church, went to work, and actually I resided in his home state. I didn't have any family in Michigan, but I, that's where I was at. So this particular day I went to the doctor, and he was on those one of those um, times where he was not talking to me, but... I had to have a medical procedure, and um, he was the only one who could take me because I, I hadn't established any friendships in in Michigan at that time because I worked like an hour 15 minutes from home, so I went to work, came home, went to church, and that's how my life was. So I called him from the doctor's office, and he didn't answer, but I expected him to answer. He's my only family that that was in Michigan. He had his family and friends, but he was my only connection. But he mm-hmm. never answered. So when I went home, he was sitting on the sofa. And I said, hey, I called you. I called you. He said, no, you didn't. But I got this pit in my stomach, and it told me to pick up my phone and dial his number. And I did. It dawned on me. He had blocked me. Oh, yes, he did. And I said, you blocked me? And he said, yes. So he lied earlier, said I didn't call. He had literally blocked me. So it dawned on me, if anything, anything happened to me, nobody would know. He didn't care at all, at all. How long were you married at that time? At that time, we were married for... 13 years, 13 years, 13 years. The first 10 10 years was good, but, you know, things happened. But anyway, so after that, then December 24th was the next that something drastically happened. I was at home Christmas Eve. You know, Christmas was supposed to be a loving time. But, again, he wasn't talking to me. Um, My family didn't come in the town that year, so it was just me um, there, and something told me to go on Facebook, and I, and I just put his name in there. I never thought he was on Facebook, and my heart dropped. Him and some female were on Facebook declaring their love to one another. Oh. This is a married man, a married man. And his family was his friends on there. They knew. Everybody knew this but me. But me. So I have to ask, may I ask a question? Because I know I did this in my marriage. Um, was in the house, as you said, there was no communication and you were barely roommates. Did you pretend that you had a great marriage? No. I mean, there was nothing to pretend because remember I said I worked, I worked an hour and fifteen minutes away from the home, so I went to work early in the morning, got back late. So I mean, we didn't interact with people. We did go to church, but we he never we never rode together. He didn't want to ride together. 
and and okay. we began sitting in different places in church. I remember one time in church, and then I'll get back to to the twenty fourth. I was at church, and he was sitting there. There was nobody sitting next to him, and I decided to get ready to sit next to him, and he set his keys in the chair. So I just moved to another seat. So it was clear. (laughs) It was clear. It was clear. But the strange thing about it was every time I decided it was time to leave, you know, he became to – um, this this religious person, he turned into this religious person and, and said, well, God doesn't want us to part and all of that good stuff. But then back to December 24th, that's when I realized that this man did not, he didn't want this marriage, didn't want me, and was treating me to me less than dirt. Not just like furniture, but less than dirt. Um, but when I brought it and up, how did I know, make you feel? Oh, it made me feel, it's like, like, you feel like nothing. You feel like, I mean, you're just there. I felt like I was just there. You know, I was, I was married, but I was single. But I was, and he was living a single life, but, I mean, I, I felt less than furniture. And furniture don't have feelings. You know, so just think about that. I felt less than dirt, and dirt is on the ground. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. So when when I told him, addressed this with him, he told me, you ain't have no business on my Facebook page. No business on Facebook page. So I actually messaged the young woman and said, hey, did you know he's a married man? And I told him. And this man literally said, you're trying to destroy my life. You you ain't nothing but trash. Oh no. Yes. Yes. And I wow. knew at that moment it was over. I knew it was over. So I started looking for a place, and I finally found a place in February, and I moved February tenth, two thousand seventeen. A month later, I was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, my God. I was diagnosed with cancer. And this is from the you had done earlier that your doctors wanted somebody to, um, I guess, take no, you to. No, it was, it was totally different. The one earlier was something totally different. Totally Not different. That was something totally different. I just needed somebody to take me there and bring me home, which he didn't, you know, he did it. He didn't want to do it, but he did it. You know, he dropped me off, picked me up. But, no, and when I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't know. I mean, I was a healthy person. I I took no medication, but, um, yes, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I lived in my, go ahead. Now, with the diagnosis, did that give you, for lack of a better word, permission to start being you or the circumstances with the relationship made you start being you? Which one allowed you to really come out and say, this is me? I was always me. I was just committed to the marriage because of God or the Bible. You know what I mean? Because I really believe it, believe in the word, but then I realized, you know, that's just the law. And I and and so in February, I, I was always me. Always me, regardless how I felt. Regardless how I felt. I mean I, I was still considered a strong person. I still did what I need to do and move. People don't realize sometimes you, when you're in survival mode, you just move. You just take care of business. And that's what I was doing. I was, I, I was doing that. Now, as far as the feelings, yes, I felt like dirt. I felt like, I mean, 
if people just knew who he was, yeah, he he pretended to be somebody else when he he saw people when people came around. But I was still me. I if you didn't talk to me while they're not around, don't talk to me when they're around. That's how right. it was, you know. But when I when I left, I felt free. I didn't feel like somebody was trying to harm me mentally or emotionally because, you know, it was interesting because he would come in. We slept in different rooms. We slept in different rooms, and he would come in and in the middle of the night, the wee hours of the morning, and cut on lights, flip on it, turn up the music, knowing I had to get up and go to work at 5 o'clock, I mean, at least to get on the road. But once I left, I felt free. But then I was hit with the diagnosis of cancer. 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 And right, that, that was a rude awakening. It really was. And it was so, I never thought I was going to die. I mean, there were some situations that um, I could have died, but I never on a consistent base, basis think that, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to die. But um, it was a struggle, and I remember he called me in April, and his words, and I'll never forget him, is, I didn't call to gloat, but I heard that you had cancer. He never asked if he could do anything for me. He never said, can I, you know, take you to the doctor? Can I bring you something? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely. Which was okay with me, you know, which was okay with me. But what was not okay with me as far as not with him, but the whole situation was I went through my cancer by by myself. I mean, I did have a couple of people from church who, you know, took me to my doctor, my doctor appointment. I I mean, my surgery. Um, For a long time, I drove myself to chemo until I couldn't see. Seeing was difficult, so I could no longer drive myself. So the American Cancer Society, they would come and pick me up and take me. But I did have a couple um, um, Christian sisters who took me. They they took me, and then they picked me up and brought me home. But I was in here in my home by myself. I changed my Band-Aids by myself. Um, I went temporarily blind and took care of myself. And, you know, I wasn't angry with family because they had their own life. They couldn't just drop everything and come to Michigan because, you know, I'm from North Carolina in New York. They had their life. I never got angry with because my family was not here, but I did get angry with God because it's like nobody, nobody to go through this and have nobody there with them, nobody. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I wouldn't, you know. No, you know, to go through that emotional stress, feel alone, that must have been really devastating. And as you say, I, I don't blame you. I would have been angry with God, too. I probably would have been angry at the world. I wasn't angry at the world. But let me share this. Even though I was going through that, I was blessed enough to be able to work at home, so I was still working. I was also in school going for my master's degree for counseling, mental health counselor. I was still doing that stuff. And that's what happened when you're in survival mode. You continue. You know, I, I remember, you know, I had classes online, and I would be in class, and I had to get up and go in to the bathroom and throw up because the chemo is no joke. So, but I still was going through that, and then I realized one day when I was at work, and I um, I was talking to somebody at work, the nicest person. She's always been nice, but I was so mean to her, and I didn't realize it until after our conversation. And when I went to my oncologist, I said, something is wrong. I said, I was mean to a person who has never, never disrespected me, who's always been been nice. Do you not realize chemo is going throughout your body, including your brain? And he said, it does alter your personality. And I had 
to then after that assess myself. I did have to stop working. I couldn't stop going to school because that means I was going to pay a loan that, you know, for classes I dropped. So I still had to do that. Um, but it was difficult. It it was difficult. Um, I didn't realize I was angry with God until I went through a class in school. And I had to pick a book to read. And and it was a religious class. Religious class. And the class was, um, there was 40 books on the list. Most of them about blessings and grace. And there was one that says, um, disappointed in God. I kept going over it, going Skipping it, not and then so selected. I selected, and in there it was talking about being angry with God, and I realized at that moment I was so angry with God. And then I had to go back and assess my life during that time. It's like, yes, um, I pray with people. They ask me to pray. I used to pray all the time. I used to spend God time with God, and I had stopped doing that. If people wanted to talk about God and, and religion, I would still do it. But I was so far away because I was angry, so far away. And you know, the ang- and again the angry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say your journey is so amazing, and I say that because. As you say, when you're in survival mode, you really don't have time to sit back and reflect and assess what's going on because it's just from one moment to the next. And when you get that time to reflect, and that's why why I say you may have always been you, but I think what I'm hearing, I believe, is like when you came out on the other side of this, on the other side of anger, you really discovered who you were in oh, all that of That is things. true. That is, that is true. I became the best version of me, but being angry with God was not even the tip, the tip of the anger. I mean, why I was coming out on the other side of my cancer treatment, then I was going through a divorce. I'm in Michigan. It's a no-fault state. It didn't matter all of the cruel things he did to me. It was about the money. And, you know, he had food trucks, so they couldn't find his money. I worked for uh, for 35 years, and they could find mine. I worked for the government at the time. And do you not know? It didn't matter. All it would matter was who had what. He ended up with half of my pension, half Ooh. of my retirement savings, and Ooh. then I still have to pay him $500 on top of that every month. Every month. Every oh, month. My. That's where the anger came in at. I worked. 35 years, and this man used the legal system to steal what I worked for. Yes. Yes. That was anger. That was anger. That was anger to, that was worse than being angry with God because diligently worked for my retirement, saving, and I worked in and then for the legal system, the system is so screwed up because here it is, they gave him, they don't calculate the the retirement until after the divorce. So they, they gave him or allotted him $500 um, a month alimony. And then after that, that's when they calculate and say, he gets 50% of my retirement, 50%. <laughs> so he gets more of my retirement than I do. So that's well, where the anger came in it. Is that I don't know about your attorney, but you needed a really good, strong attorney on that one. I had I had one. I let that one go and got another one who claimed to be a good one, but it's the it's the way this here in Michigan. It, right. They no, the no fault. Same thing. But, and um 
you know, long story short, in my divorce, I ended up firing my attorney and I took it on myself. I was a legal assistant and I took the divorce on myself in the end because the ex-husband wanted, I had the house and he wanted the house and I'm like, oh no we're not, we're not getting this. And I, I kept my house hundred percent, kept my house. Good. Good. He was no, no. And, and, and so, because I, you know, in my survival mode of my divorce, I was fighting not only for me, because the money was a primary factor for me. What was mm-hmm. important for me was that we had a son at the time that was in elementary school and he was in private mm. school. And I wanted him to help me with the tuition payment. And mm-hmm. he said, let him go to part- public school. Oh, wow. that was that was the fight. Because yeah. my son was not going to public school. I understand and, that. And we and I dragged him through the uh, see like how your ex-husband used the system against you mm-hmm. I used the system against him okay okay and I dragged him through I dragged him through the court and and little did he know at the end of the day my divorce cost me zero pennies what zero pennies because I worked yes. for a man at the time mm-hmm. And I was talking to him about what I was going through, and he says, no, I'm going to pay for your divorce. And he did. Wow. That is such a blessing. Well, I didn't have – I wasn't fortunate enough to have somebody else to pay for mine. I had to pay for that and everything else. But, you know, going through through the divorce, I think um, that was extremely difficult uh, because I had never experienced experience uh, panic attacks, and I started um, experiencing that every time I received a phone call from the attorney or saw an email. I knew it wasn't nothing good. Nothing at all was good, and I was so angry. I was blinded with anger. It was worse than being angry with God. I mean, I had some horrible thoughts, horrible thoughts, and, you know, only by the grace of God, I was able to walk through that, be able to come through that, and actually forgive him. Yeah, I still see what's being taken out of my pension, but for me, not, you know, for what he's done, I had to, in order for me to move on, in order for me to get past the anger, I had to forgive him, you know, because one thing about anger is every time his name came up or every time I saw my retirement or or something came across my head, I became angry. I couldn't move. I That's all I could fo- focus on. That's, that's the only place I couldn't move forward. I could not move forward because of that that anger that I was, I was drowning in. I was drowning in it. So literally – he was winning whatever he, because he told me, I'm going to destroy you. And I was allowing him to do that. He was winning, and I had to come through that on the other side. And in one thing I can tell you today, I have a peace of mind. I am, I am free from the anger, and I am okay. I am so blessed. I am so, so blessed, so blessed. Do you remember that pivot moment for you when you did that release and let the anger go? And most importantly, I didn't hear it yet, but when you forgave yourself, everything. Let me me tell you, um, at the end, Two years ago, I was in a valley because of the ang- anger. I was so deep in a valley, and 
And being a mental health therapist, girls, after I retired, I still had to work, which I, you know, so I, I was, I became a mental health, a licensed mental health counselor, and I realized one day, sitting across from a client, I can't do this until I heal me. And I tried to use all the tools I would give my clients, and they didn't work because, you know, I am I'm a natural survivor too. I'm a natural overcomer, and all the tools that I used through my life, they didn't work. So one day I was sitting at my computer, and this particular program came through. Through, never heard of the person, didn't know anything. It was I don't know if you heard of Peter Sage. He got this program called Elite Mentorship Program, and it's like I signed up and I talked to somebody, and it's like you know what? All I can do is try it. Such a unique program, and going through that, I remember. They had one particular exercise called called the Starbuck exercise. That particular exercise is when I knew I was able to forgive him, you know. And then they took you through some more exercises about traumatic traumatic events. Can you forgive that person? And I had to do it over and over again until I was able to say yes, I forgive him, and yes. I forgive God, and yes, I forgive me because I realized I was upset with me because I felt I stayed too long. I realized I was upset with God because I was trying to be obedient, and I thought the word had failed me, but I had failed me because I wasn't listening spiritually. I was reading the word and taking it literally. And if God is love, he would have never wanted me to go through anything like that. And I had to realize that. And I had to realize that I am human and I make decisions and I make mistakes and I don't have to beat myself up about them. Why am I beating myself up? I made a mistake and married somebody who True Colors came out years later, and I shouldn't be blaming myself. It was a mistake. Forgive me. I had to forgive God, and I had to forgive this person um, in order for me to move through and become the person I am today who is who has peace. So, you know, what did you learn about you in in this? Not only the forgiveness, I, but what did you truly learn about you? What I learned about me, you know, I I realized that if my uh, retirement wasn't taken, I would have been comfortable where I was at because I thought I was living my best life. But what I learned about me was there was so much more to me, to me, you know, and that I am here to help other people. It's about serving for me. I learned that I am a a server, someone who serves others and help other people come through the storms and realize that we are here to enjoy this life. Yes, we will have trials and tribulations, but we shouldn't have more trials and tribulations than joy and happiness, and we can have it. So I learned that in the midst of a storm, I can still be happy. In the midst of the storm, I don't have to be angry with people. You know, it's about decision. It's about my decision. What decisions am I going to make based on somebody else's action. I learned more about me going through this. I thought I knew me. I thought I knew me. I used to tell people, hey, nobody knows me better than me but God. But there was some more to me that I didn't even know. I didn't know I could come through a storm like that and still come out and still be standing and not be bitter and resentful 
and hateful and walking around with a frowned up face hating the world. Isn't that the best? And and I have to say, because, you know, I went through not your circumstances, but in my circumstance, and what I went through was just, I love this extraordinary life that I live. It's not easy, but I love this life, and it's so much better than being comfortable. Yes. Yes, it's not easy. Comfortable, you're not truly happy. You're not stretching. You're not stretching you. Exactly. And, you know, and most of the growth for, you know, a tree, a plant, or whatever, happens in the wintertime or at night when when Mm -hmm. the ground outside is absolutely full of snow and frozen, but it's struggling underneath to get out. Right, and, right. you know, your ex was that catalyst for you that, that and to grow. I say this today of my ex-husband. I am so thankful that he did what he did. Yes, Because yes. had he not done what he did to me or how he did what he did to me, I would never have found my emancipation to grow. Exactly, exactly. And, and it is a growth. It is a growth period because I said if I wouldn't have gone through that, I wouldn't be in a doctoral program today. I, I I wouldn't be going through my dissertation right now. I never thought I would be going back to school. That wasn't on my my agenda. That wasn't a bucket item. I wasn't going to do that. My plan for retirement for my first career was really to um, just enjoy my family and travel. But God prepared me for that. I mean, just, I mean, I started my master's degree program in 2016 when, when I was going, getting ready to go through that storm. 2016, I started my master's program in counseling. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I just knew that that's what I needed to to do. I didn't know. I never thought about writing a book. And I wrote a book, and the publisher, he, he has it right now, and it's divorced but unbroken and reclaimed, you know, because I would have never done that. So I am grateful for that experience. It was hard. It was difficult. It was difficult. You know, and why, you, why I was in it, I didn't see what it was going to be like on the other end. But one thing I do know is there's always sunshine after a storm. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Even if I didn't think about tunnel when I was going through it, there was a tunnel. Even though I didn't think about the storm. Yeah, I did think about the storm. Let me correct that. I thought about the storm, but storms do end. They do end. I didn't know when. I didn't know when. But this is who I am now. This is where I'm at now. I mean, I, because of that, I am the best version of me. I am me who has a purpose to serve and help others and share my story. Because I'm not the only person who's gone through something that, Change your whole life. Could have, let me tell you, I could have, after the cancer, I could have just stopped living. Yeah, function, moved on. After the divorce, I could have became bitter and angry and just hated the world. I could have. But that wasn't the purpose for me. The purpose was for me to learn all of this and to blossom into my best self. You know, and I'm still growing. I'm not there yet. I believe as long as I'm breathing, I will continue to grow. And and you said it earlier. Your purpose is why you had to go through all that you went through so that you can effectively communicate and help others yes. or the word to serve. To serve. It's about and serving. Serve others. You didn't go through your storm. 
You're right. You're right. You're right. I couldn't have. I wouldn't have. I would have been content with just retiring, spending time with family, and traveling. That would have been my that 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 was my plan. I didn't. But my plan it looks nothing like that at all. But nothing but like that. But don't you still spend time with family and don't you still of travel? Course. Oh, See, of course. You know, that's just part of it. That's just part of it. God, it's just expanding to something bigger than anything I've ever expected. You know, when you are serving your purpose, it's so, it's not funny, but when you serve that purpose, all the things that you want in your circle just come naturally in that circle. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you don't have to fight for it. It's just the natural, it's just like how um, day turns to night into day. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. When you are serving your purpose, it's not a challenge or struggle to put all those other things because your family comes around. And here's the one thing I know that you've also found in this. I know I found in my story, in my challenge when I went through it, is that, and it doesn't have to be a male, and it doesn't have to be my sister, it doesn't have to be my brother. I found my partner. For what I mean by that is that person who challenged me to be better than I was before and helped right. me to see more clearly it before. Yeah, yeah. And you have to look at your circle around you. I mean, once you once I came out, it's like who who brings me joy, or who causes me a headache because I might have to distance myself. I still love you but I might have to distance myself from you. It's, it, it's, it's about serving, but not becoming serving people who are not willing to help themselves, you know. Right. And, yes, you pick and choose. I mean, yes, people come into your life who's supposed to be there, but other people come into your life who, who don't supposed to be there, but you have to be able to discern that. And you're right, people who are good for you, do come in your life, and you're able to discern that. I'm able to discern better than I did before, people's spirits. I mean, and, and people are who they are. They, they are who they are. I don't judge no one. I don't, you know, because God made all of us different, and I don't judge anybody. I just know who drains me and who do not drain me. I just know who I need to keep my distance from and who I need more of, you know. So it's that. I mean, so I've come out, I guess, a little wise, wiser than I was. And when I thought I was wise, I wasn't, you know. So it's, it's just interesting going through a storm. It's just interesting. And a storm, can it can paralyze you. It depends on how you relate to that storm. And realize that it's not going to last forever. Yeah. Right. I, I was telling somebody just the other day, actually, you can allow the storm to last forever because if you continue to um, think about it, focus on it, and even though the stuff back there mentally, you're still in that storm. You're still in that storm. We we supposed to visit it, but not reside there. You know, you visit, but don't don't live there. No, and you know, you you take those lessons. Everything is a teaching moment. Yes, and you learn from those moments, and to say, hey, you know, you know, my metaphor that I use all the time is um, is a highway. You know, we're we're driving, and I love the New mm-hmm. York Yankees, and I use them all the time. And Yogi Berra says, "If you don't know where you're going, how will you know when you get there?" Exactly. I know the I know the quote, <laughs> and I and that's a true statement. That's true. It, it is true. You know, what I learned from my journey thus far is that if I'm not clear, and I wasn't clear. 
or if I wasn't confident, truly confident about my journey, I wasn't going to get there because I was going to be distracted by the Porsche that looks really shiny and new. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's true. That is true. That is so true. And And I believe, I mean, we're, we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. We all have a purpose. Some people, we don't know our purpose. I, and I, I mean, I didn't, I thought I was serving back before all this happened by going to church and helping in church and helping people when they needed help, if I could. But this is on a, a bigger scale than I ever imagined. I never imagined this. I never imagined being a licensed mental health counselor. I never Imagine being a life coach. I would never imagine just helping people. You know, when I hear people who have problems, it's like, okay, what's your purpose? A lot of people don't know their purpose, but everybody has a purpose. And and I take them back to an exercise. I said, believe it or not, I was a servant as a child, but I didn't realize that was my purpose. When I was growing up, I'm telling you, whenever somebody was hurting, I I always went to see how I could help them. But I did not realize that was my purpose until going through this storm. Mm-hmm. And he was put there for a reason. He was yeah. put there for a reason. Because, yeah. you know, without him, you yeah. know, Sometimes those lessons are so expensive. Oh, my God, they're expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) But, you know, the fact that they cost so much sometimes. And, you know, it's like if you don't pay for something, you don't value it. (laughs) That's true. That's true. True. That, yeah, you're right. If somebody give it to you, is less valuable if you went and worked for it and, and paid for it yourself. That's exactly. true. <laughs> but I tell yeah. you, I mean, I, 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 some of them, mm, I could have done without, but it was, I, I could say it made me a better person. It brought me through. I, I didn't think there was another version of me, did not believe it, did not think about it until I came through the storm. You know, exactly. they talk about they talk about um, going in the furnace and coming out. You know, they talk about diamonds, and, and it's like a, a, a precious stone, stone going through and coming out, a beautiful stone. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It and, is. And, and when you realize that, I am so thankful that I get to live this extraordinary life. Yeah, that yeah. And yeah. It, it's, the best, it's the best life because nobody designed it for me. I designed right. it. Now, somebody asked me, what do you love about your life? And I said, I get to choose every exactly. day. Exactly. 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 I get to choose. Mhm. Mhm. And mm-hmm. and that's the greatest feeling. And some people live their entire life and never feel the autonomy of choosing. But right. I get to choose. Right. You're right. You're right. You're right. There's people who don't feel like actually you make a choice. We we choose every day and people just don't even realize it. Don't even exactly. realize it. But you know, I'm consciously choosing. Yeah. And exactly. I, I choose what serves me mm-hmm. and what takes me closer to my goal and yes. both be yes for me to move forward. If not, it doesn't work for me and as and as good as it gets, the answer might be no. And yeah. and here's the other thing. And when I choose things that serve me or takes me closer to my goal and makes me happy, no one can tell me it's too expensive. <laughs> That's true. I I agree with you 100%. That's true. 
you know, I have a thing about the Eagles, not the football team, but the the musical band, the Eagles. Uh-huh. And it's like I've seen them over 30 times in concert. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. And they're coming again next year to my area. And guess what? Okay, tickets went and said, I got this, like, my sister's. But then, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're right. I, I said, this is my life. This is my yeah. enjoyment. This is how yeah. I find pleasure. No one yeah. gets to tell me no. No one. Exactly. 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 And we all should be like that. It's like, what brings you joy? As long as you're not hurting anybody or causing somebody else pain, what brings you joy? Yep. You know? Only yeah. that joy. And, that's like, yeah. I said, that two and a half, three hours in that concert hall is my joy. See that? Yes. It's like, what brings you peace? And, and you know, I have so much peace now. And I, I, Choose not to allow anyone to disturb my peace. Exactly. I decide that. I decide that. You know, and people think peace is not having a storm or not going through trials and tribulations. No, no, it's not that. It's just deciding, regardless what comes, I'm going to have peace. You know, we we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what storm is coming. It's like like the, a river. A river is not a straight line. Life is not a straight line. So if there's those bends and with the water running down the hill, well, that's how life is. So even with that, I still decide to have peace. Like you said, you decide. Joy. What brings you joy? What brings you peace? What is it? And choose to do it. I mean, whatever it is, whatever it is. But going through a storm, coming out on the other side, being able to say, I don't know how I got through that, don't know how I got through that. But God, even when I was angry, I don't know how I overcame the anger. But it was a choice. I decided I can't be angry anymore for me. In order for me to help others, I had to make that choice. And forgiveness is not easy. I don't care what nobody say. They can tell you just forgive. It's a process. I had to continue to say I forgive. Forgiveness, true forgiveness is a process. No, you don't condone. I don't condone his actions or anybody's actions that have hurt me. I just choose to forgive for me, to free me from all the emotional stuff that happens when you don't forgive. Exactly. And 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 that's part of the divorce journey. And mm-hmm. so when you are going through the end of a relationship, you know, whether yes. your choice or his choice or whomever's choice, it doesn't yes. matter. When you are going through a career stop, yes. when you are going through a health challenge or yes. financial challenge, mm-hmm. or you've lost a loved one, at the yes. end of the day, the commonality among all those things is that there is some rejection that yep. we feel. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, whomever rejected me, the job um, rejected me, my finances rejected me, my health rejected me, and the person who's no longer here rejected me because they're no longer here. Not by choice many times, but it's a rejection, and we feel hurt, we feel lost, we feel angry, you know, yes. we feel pain. You do. And you it's do. so difficult for us to say, hey, let me pause for a moment and look at what I learned. What was my takeaway from this or through this or because of this? Yes, yes, yes. And you have to stop and do that 
self-reflection. And sometimes it is hard to look in that mirror or reflect on your life. And, I mean, and and most people that I encounter that I, I work with, is like they're not ready for it. Sometimes people are not ready to do that. And you can't make people be ready, but when you become ready to reflect on your life, you'll see those those life lessons. Really, you will see them and you embrace them. Embrace them. You know, mm-hmm. not not allow them to change who you are is into some type of that uptight, angry person walking around because all of us, it really does. It really, some may be worse than others, but it happens. It's how do we respond to it? I'm not going to say that it's easy responding to um, life trials and tribulations. It's not. It's not. But to come out on the other side, you have to keep moving forward. Absolutely. And with moving forward, guess what? We've been here an hour. <laughs> okay, now. <laughs> so, Didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 you know, we traveled that road pretty quickly. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of prepared questions that I, I, I always ask is, uh-huh. hey, I love what you're saying. If I want to get in touch with you, how do I do that? I am on Facebook, the Anthony Price. Find me there. On Mondays, I actually do a live Facebook at 8 p.m., so you can find me there. So if somebody want to get in contact with me, just message me on Facebook. I'm there. I will respond. Okay. And spell that for me because I'm a lousy speller. D E capital A N. T O N I E and last name Price P R I C E. And it's Mondays at eight PM? Yes. Okay. And 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 what's the what's the takeaways for you? What's the takeaway or for you to your to your younger self, what would you say? What I would tell my younger self is do not stop and reflect. Do not just survive, you know, because like I said earlier, I think all my life I was in survivor mode. In survivor mode, you cannot um, really plan. You just survive and react. So I would tell my younger self, stop reflect, and probably think before you react. Just survive. Okay. I'm writing that down. Okay. Okay. And I have a Mahoney. And this is Roadmapping Your Life. I'm here every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And you could find me on Facebook at Roadmap Heather or any other social media as Roadmap Heather. I also have a book published called Designing Your Life's Roadmap, A Pathway Exit the, the Pretender Highway. And you can find that on Amazon or Barnes & Noble at Heather D. Mahoney and Amazon. And, you know, come back next week. I have a fantastic guest that's going to be here, and we're going to talk about how they re- redesign or are actively redesigned in their life after the end of a relationship, a career stop, some financial or health challenges, and or the loss of a loved one. And I want to say, Antoinette Price, thank you so very much for being here on pre-Thanksgiving, pre-pre-pre-Thanksgiving Eve. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you you for having me. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. And I I will be listening 
you know, to other people's journey because we all have a journey in a story. Awesome. Thank you, and enjoy that cold weather up in Michigan. It's kind of hot down here, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you enjoy the warm weather for me, okay? Just think about me, okay? I, I can do this when I wear shorts. <laughs> okay. Happy Have Thanksgiving, and, a, and again, thank you so much for having me. Me too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.